Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our podcast, uh, Mega. Uh, what are we going to call Mega it? Mini, mini series. Mega mini series uh, brought to you uh, from the Financial Planning Association uh, Conference Congress, I should say. Mm, uh, day two. Day two. We are. I'm losing my mind already. Uh, Danny and I are joined by the honourable, the honourable Bernie Ripple. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Fantastic to have you along. Now, of course, uh, we uh, most of the people know you from your original work that you did in superannuation, uh, the the Ripple Report? Yep, yep. So, um, yeah, it seems quite some time ago now because it was, and uh, it, it was a major piece of reform, really born out of the uh, storm financial collapse and born out of you know, thousands of consumers really losing their life savings through you know, mismanagement of schemes and a whole range of other things. And, and, um, uh, and I think... At that time, it was probably the, the straw that broke the camel's back, to use that sort of analogy, uh, around the parliament needing to step in and do more for uh, for consumers and really led to some, some big thinking around where the future for financial advice and advisors would be. And, and today, obviously, we're here talking about, you know, what does advice look like in 2030? Yeah, we're talking about the future. Now, we, uh, we've been through the past. Now, tell us a little bit about what you're doing these days. You're no longer in, 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 the, in a government role. You're sure. sort of working more in financial services. You, yep. you love the space. You love the technology yep. space. Tell us about what you're doing now. Yeah, so I'm with Otivo, which is the, the rebranded Map My Plan. And so we're a self-directed digital advice platform. I'd say we're, we're breaking new ground and it's always a challenge when you're doing that. Um, you often hear about uh, a lot of talk about innovation and people say they're constrained and no one innovates and, and to some extent I'd agree. I'd, I'd say that this sector hasn't been innovating. There's some good reasons why. It's, it's expensive and when things work, you just keep doing what you're doing. Mm. But we had a, a really big vision and we've got a big vision about what the future of advice looks like and the, the key thing about that is that right now only about you know, arguably 10 or 15% of Australians actually get advice. And our thinking is, well, what about the other 85 or even 90% of Australians who need advice? I think the demand's there, but there's a real challenge in terms of how you deliver that on scale, affordably. You know, there's all the things that we already understand. And so our mission really is to be able to deliver that quality advice, uh, you know, to any Australian that wants it for the price of a cup of coffee a week. And that's, that's a big step change on how you get there and how you make that real. Uh, that that's our goal. That's what we've been working on for quite a few years now. Yeah, it certainly, it certainly yeah. appears that the cost of providing yeah. advice has gone up a lot in the last few mm. years and, yep. uh, and certainly a lot more than a cup of coffee. Yep. And also, it, it, as we talk about, I guess, the, the gap in advice, mm. one of the widening gaps and the disparities, I guess, is around when you look at uh, women mm. and their, you know, their advice and, I guess, things like the pay gap. And So are there any things that you're doing to address, like in that innovation space, specifically yeah, to address those things because I think as an industry we, I mean and I'm always part of these conversations yeah. where we are always looking at innovation but there's still I guess a widening gap in some of those imbalances in super balances yeah. in I guess in, in generic pay those things are only increasing yeah. and COVID hasn't sort of helped mm. uh, is there anything that you're seeing in that 2030 vision yep. to address those yep so, so there's um, there's a fair bit in that, Danny. Okay, so, great, um, good. <laughs> so I'll, I'll try and unpack a few bits of it uh, sort of sequentially. But uh, look, you're 100% right and everyone acknowledges it and there's work being done in terms of um, uh, gender inequity and pay gaps and superannuation. And it's a consequence of um, our economy and how we live mm. our lives. And they're really difficult things to fix. So I think for, for all of us in terms of 
you know, I think there's a willingness uh, from a regulatory perspective and parliament and community. Everyone wants to sort of try to get that balance as, as close as possible. A lot of work being done, still a lot of work to go. There's no question about that. You know, what can we do and what are we trying to do through our platform? Probably the simplest way to respond to that would be to say we're gender neutral. What we're really do, doing is providing a system and technology and a platform which uh, democratizes advice. It's really about saying it's open to everyone at a, at a price uh, which is affordable to everyone and can help everyone regardless of gender or family circumstances. And so it really opens that up because often the traditional model of advice, the face-to-face, it's expensive for a good reason. Rather than for me to look at these things in terms of is it cheap or expensive, I say is it good value? You know, Because it doesn't matter how much you pay. If it's great value, then that's what's important. It's the value proposition uh, and I've always said to the financial advice sector, you should charge according to value and what's appropriate, whatever that might be. I don't argue if people earn a lot of money. Uh, but there's also a really big piece that's needed uh, to help people on that life journey, that financial journey, on how do they access it, how do they do it. And I think if we look at 2030 as the benchmark, um, you know, I'm looking at what does an advisor look like. Well, I'd say just very simply, she will be a lot younger than what's around today in terms of an advisor, the average age, um, also much better educated, it'll be university education and it'll be someone who's come to the industry direct, not from another sector. So I think that's quite bright and I think that the demand means that we're going to have a lot more service needed for people uh, providing advice directly face-to-face, expensive, time-consuming, complicated uh, and a really big role to play for digital platforms and technology to support that and begin that journey for people, you know. And there's plenty of good examples, but I'll yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And obviously, the, the the session that you were yep. involved in yep. uh, here at, at the congress was was about that. You know, yep. twenty thirty, the, the looking forward and in, in what might look like. Um, technology to me is a uh, has done a good job at looking at efficiencies. It's done a good job at looking at you know process outside of financial services software there's other types of technology that does some great stuff in you know uh, you know medical fields there's some great technology that's used in looking at capacity with a human there's some great stuff that looks at how does somebody have uh, in, an, an intimacy an intimate connection with mm. the technology um, there's dating apps that have, have worked this sort of stuff out uh, are we still going to start to see these other types of technologies then move into into advice Absolutely, and they're already here. Mm. I'd like to say that Otivo actually does a, a lot of that. So there's two key components you know, to make it simple. One is dealing with complexity. We live in a very complex world. It's not getting simpler. It's actually getting more complex. And that complexity and that interconnectivity is what can really make a difference to someone who's seeking an answer to a simple question is, what do I do next? So in terms of financial life, what do I do next? My pay's coming in. I've had a windfall. I've had a big cost. What do I do next? And so... That's where the technology can really help and it can help to give you advice and nudges and provide options and people still need to make decisions for themselves but you need to empower people. That's the financial literacy piece, right? How, do you, how does someone get empowered? Well, they need to be financially literate uh, around what's happening in their lives. The other really important piece around the technology question is really that it becomes so integrated in your life that you're no longer asking the question and so, for you know, there's lots of examples of that. I mean, no one thinks twice about, you know, texting or Snapchatting or everything else. That's just part of normal life. Uh, when you want to transfer even large sums of money to someone, uh, you just get on your phone. You do it instantly right in front of them. 
We don't even question that as something. It's integrated into every part of our daily life. Financial advice is not not yet, but it will be. Uh, and the power of that will mean that, that that's the empowerment. That's what it will help people do to make decisions. And then whether they choose to just focus on the platform that has their critical data, they won't even need to enter it manually. You know, we, we do direct connections and drop-downs from your bank accounts, from your super fund, from uh, how much you're earning, et cetera, et cetera. So the tech's already there. The big data drives it, and it'll help to inform individuals on making better and better decisions. So when do you start mm. to... Because all mm. of those add-ons to our lives mm. and enhance our lives and we kind of just seamlessly work with, yep. they become part of our lives because they're kind of put into our world at a certain yep. time and quite early in our journey, whereas advice sort of... We used to, I mean, the... We used to all have Dolomite accounts or an equivalent, yeah. so that was probably the sort of the first integrate that now that's gone. And then suddenly people get to an age and they're like, Oh, should you know, this this advice yeah. is a big jump. And it's really interesting. We did a piece of work with Morningstar recently around this escalating consumer trend of I want almost this transactional rela- like early in someone's journey they perhaps want a transactional relationship with an advisor, which is quite difficult under the current sort of yep. environment. But I want to sort of partake in these apps that you talk about and then probably go and foster this relationship and I want to do it together for a period of time. When do you introduce advice, financial concepts, literacy so that they do become part of someone's world and not this big leap that they've got to make at some stage? Because, yeah, that would be really interesting to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, look, that's quite um, uh, insightful in terms of... um in terms of that process, and, and uh, we did sort of just touch on this in the panel session. Uh, the answer to that, if we look forward, is that there is no start point. It happens seamlessly. You don't mm. even know you're getting the advice. Precisely. That's at the point where the technology really makes that difference. Uh, and that's happening now already. Uh, so, for example, a lot of people have got the, an app for their super fund, and so they get nudges from their super fund in terms of their balance when a deposit's been made. So you're starting to or engage. Or a raise account. You're doing it yourself yeah. without any advice at all. A- and absolutely. And that's no, not, not ideal. Yeah, so there's lots of platforms which mm. are interacting with our life um, that we you, know, you either have a choice or not a choice, but you know we, we are in a compulsory system in Australia in terms of our superannuation. Yeah. And so that is the base. And then you look at our digital life in a cashless economy. We're almost there. It's not completely cashless, but you know, we're as close as we've ever been. And you know, by 2030, maybe we are, maybe we're not. But this seamlessness around it means that no one's getting advice anymore. It's just part of every day. Right now, the old system, which has got a great and bright future, which is that at some point in my life, I feel I have enough of... Um, complexity. Yeah, right. complexity and financial status or well-being. Uh, you know, I've saved enough money perhaps or I've got a large super balance. Where I go and see someone, I make a conscious decision, I ring up, make an appointment, you know, in three weeks' time, we'll go and spend an hour and a half and that'll be our first appointment. And, you know, there's this whole sort of very long, detailed complex. It's very hard for people to begin that journey. And it usually happens a little bit later in life, post 30 or 40, roughly speaking, right? It's not an absolute. What I'm talking about is introducing systems and platforms and technology to assist humans and having that happen every day for them in the background seamlessly and then the nudges come forward. Yeah, I, th- I feel like a lot of the time the consumer expectation is 
I don't have enough to go to a financial planner yet. I don't have enough yeah. to go to... And then all of a sudden, we think we've got enough and now we're going to go. And, yeah. and so to be able to provide yeah. that that experience on the way through, I think is really important. Mm. Um, I think it's really important to be able to make those minuscule steps. And, and to some of your points before... If you look back where we were 15, you know, 10 years ago, mm. it's we've come a long way. Absolutely. Yeah, we've come a long way. Yeah. And so it's exciting to yeah. think about what the future could be. Yeah, I did a lot of presentations over the last uh, two decades uh, around change and looking at technology and technology change and all those sort of things. And I look back and I almost laugh at some of those early presentations talking about, uh, you know, booking um, booking a hotel on the telephone, you know, and, and just reminding people that the first real smartphone, the iPhone, was only 2007. Oh, my God, that's just like yesterday. And so we've come a long, long way, but, but it's big leaps forward. So there's periods where we just sort of, everyone argues and debates over whether we will or won't, and then it just happens. And no one talks about it anymore because it's just part of your ordinary life. Yeah. You know, people talk about EVs, you know, like, oh, I'm not going to get one or I'm going to get one or that's oh, not going to happen or... I say to them, suddenly they stop producing any other car. And he's spot on. Spot <laughs> the decision's on. made for you. Yes. You've and got s- a bike or you've got an EV. Yeah, and suddenly they're just everywhere, right? Uh, and there's lots of evidence this through history. I, I, I love this, this great image of uh, New York City in 19, I think it was 1911, and it's about 95% horses, you know, there's horse poo and carriages, and mm. it's a beautiful old photo. And there's two cars. You can just see these two old cars just sitting in there. And then there's another photo, which is 1921. And it's all cars and there's two horses and you think, oh, my God. And it can happen to you really fast. And I think that's, in a sense, what we're talking about here today. But this 2020 vision, people need to open up their imagination to what it can be and what it will be. What excites you the most out of that 2030 vision? Like, what do you, what do you go that, and, or that you could share with the listeners and go, look, we're really excited about this. You've obviously got a more integrated model than an advisor might have, but what might you share with advisors yeah. to go, this is the thing you should really jump on and piggyback on? Yeah. What, what really excites me about that vision of 2030 is that people have got back control of their awesome. own data and their own financial well-being. Financial well-being is, and the reason I say that is because financial well-being is not about how much you've got, it's about understanding what to do the best with what you've got. Um, you know, we've all heard the stories that you know somebody on a very low income is the happiest person in the world and they're financially really secure. And somebody who earns many, many multiples more is very unhappy and they're dead broke. Mm-hmm. And so really this is about democratization and empowering people. And technology can deliver that because it gives you back your information and gives it back to you in a form that makes sense. Because right now we have too much, too much information. Right now I couldn't tell you, you know, all... You ask me stuff about my own financial. I, I, I'd be got, struggling. Are you saying you got too much money, Bernie? Is that what you say? <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't, <laughs> know, where, I don't know where's where and what's what. There's just so much. But but when I use the platform, it gives me visual snapshots. It yeah. tells me on a day to day basis. It's like looking at your banking app, and you go straight to your account summary, and you go, oh, okay, yeah, I know where I'm at today. Mm. I know, you know, There's all cut those through big... to the important things that you yeah. actually need to know, yeah. rather than the haze yes. of. So, so detail. that that's what's exciting. That, that is mm. exciting. I love the I love the fact of bringing the world, the emotional world, and the and the, yes. and the logical world together, and and, mm. and giving people control because they can see and visually understand where everything's at. Bernie, thank you so much for, for dropping by the podcast uh, bar uh, here at the Congress. I uh, really appreciate you uh, dropping your insights from your amazing session this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Absolute Bernie. pleasure. Thanks. Sam.